0: 3 Media. Let's face it, the world is just a messy place. There's probably not one of us that hasn't heard a lesson or some information at some point and said, hey, with all that's going on around me, what difference does that make? I'm Dr. Mike Courtney. I'm a counselor, a lifelong recoverer, a husband, a father, a business owner, a grandfather, And I love to ask this question, what difference does that make? Welcome to What Difference Does That Make? A podcast that talks about how to live a holy, healthy, and happy life in the middle of sometimes a very difficult world. My friend David Wilkerson calls it an audio parable. And speaking of my friend David Wilkerson, I'm here in the room with my good friend and producer, David Wilkinson. Hi, David. How are you? Hello, Mike. I am. I am aces, man. I'm doing really good today. Wow. There are there are lots of levels of how you can be, and aces has got to be right up there. Today is an aces day. I'm going to own it. <laughs> uh, we have been doing this for quite a while now. It's mm-hmm. surprising to me how quickly this first season has gone. We're just. A couple of episodes away from wrapping up the first season. Yep, that's correct. I couldn't even spell podcast uh, a year ago when we started all of this, and now here we are. We're old hands at this, and it's been it's been really fun, David. It's been neat how how God has used this, particularly in 2020. In this, we couldn't have picked
1: a more uh, appropriate year to start a podcast than now. I think you know we've talked about this a few times before, but I. Totally agree. So much of what we've had to do has been a big pivot from what may have been originally planned. It's probably more timely than ever. And uh, I know that my family and my friends have benefited from listening. I really appreciate that this podcast does exist. I really do.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for saying that. Uh, In fact, today is kind of a, I I think that's that's an appropriate way to talk about today. We're gonna talk about dreams. Mm And we we live in the present. We have to. Uh, I'm I'm a, a great proponent for mindfulness, for where we accept things the way they are, and uh, learn to without passing judgment, just say this is the way things are, and to work our way through that. But as human beings, it's difficult for us to live without dreams, without without looking forward and thinking about what if and what can be. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time today talking about dreams, the things that we hope and long for. We are going to interview a good friend of both of ours, Jason Jones, who is a publicist. And uh, quite honestly, Jason is responsible for helping a lot of people live out their dreams. Uh, he, He helps get books going and pushed and out in the forefront. He's been a great friend for me and for you in the work that we do. That's right. And so we're going to talk to Jason about how to publicize your dream. I
1: think that's probably a good topic. We kind of glossed over it, but in this episode with this theme, they are going to get a, a short segment from you and i just want to throw in you know why not you sharing you've got credentials you're like a a usta tennis champion when people hear this you already <laughs> will have participated in some sort of championship tournament that you were telling me about and you and you probably are going to win
0: yes oh i, I it's just it's a foregone conclusion <laughs> speaking of dreams yes i'm playing in the uh, state uh, tennis Championship, USTA Tennis Championship. Now that sounds wonderful. Until I add the last little uh, modifier, and that is the 65 and older. So, <laughs> so it's a valid we, category. Sure, we you, there's you have a difficult time play, playing because we're slobbering on the court and <laughs> you know rolling out and get wheelchairs and walkers get in the way. But it, it's going to be fun. Yeah, we're going to play this weekend on clay courts in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I'm excited about going and getting to play in that state championship.
1: And by the time people listen to this, you'll already have the large trophy and we'll have won. So anyone who's listening, they can follow up and ask you, hey, how did that go?
0: I'm sure it'll probably be on ESPN or something like that. I'm (laughs) sure too. It needs to be. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, Well, let me tell a quick little story about my dreaming. Uh, I am the leader of branches. People will say to me, did you start branches? And I say, oh, no. I put a shingle out front and had an office that a room full of drunks met in three times a week. And that's about (laughs) as big as my dream got. (laughs) But when God takes a hold of a dream, He begins to do something with that. And uh, today, we have multiple offices. We have about 25 therapists. We see about 1,800 people a month. And so, in, in many ways, every day, I get to come in and live in... the the fulfillment of this dream that God planted in me. And I get to lead a group of people. The most exciting thing I get to do is lead a group of people and help them see their dreams fulfilled and kind of lead them into new visions, new ideas of what God would have them to do. So here's one of my favorite stories that I tell about my leadership style. It comes from a movie, Jeremiah Johnson. Do you remember that movie? From Robert years? Redford. Robert Redford. It's one of my favorites. I, it's mine, too. He was a he, uh, post-Civil War. He went into the Rocky Mountains to become a mountain man, knew absolutely nothing about it. And so early in the movie, he's, he's literally starving to death. He's not going to make it. And he runs into Will Gear, an old, old mountain man character. And they develop this bond and friendship. And Will Gear promises that he will teach him to be a mountain man. What Robert Redford has to do is he has to skin the grizzly bears that Will Gear gets. He is a grizzly bear hunter. And so the conversation begins. He calls him Pilgrim all the time. He says, Pilgrim can you skin Grizz?" and uh, Robert Redford says, I can skin about anything. So he says, okay, we'll form a partnership. I'll get them and you skin them. The next scene, Robert Redford uh, is standing in the doorway of a, a mountain cabin and you hear this crashing coming down through the trees and all of a sudden you look out and here comes the old Will Gear character running as fast as he can across this snow-covered field with a grizzly bear right on his heels. He is chasing him. They run into the cabin. Robert Redford falls back in the cabin. The door slams. The camera pans around, and you see Will Gear dive out of the back window of the cabin, and now Robert Redford and this grizzly bear are left in there, and Will Gear yells back, you skin that one, Pilgrim, and I'll go get another one. (laughs) That has been my leadership style for years. People will come up with a dream and I'll throw it at them and say, man, that's a great idea. You skin that one and we'll go find another one. Uh, It's going to be a fun episode, I think, talking about dreams, how we discover them, how God lays them on our heart, and how we bring them to fruition and Jason Jones will help us do that. Mm. Today, I I just want to encourage people to go to, we'll we'll put this in the show notes as well, but to go to the Branches website, uh, BranchesCounselingCenter.com and under What We Do, there's a heading, What We Do, go to the page that says Branches Coaching. Mm. We have a wonderful coaching staff headed up by Cindy Hornbaker And these are people that, they're dream makers. They're people that help you discover, clarify, and find your dream. So go to that place, and uh, I think it'll help you in discovering your dreams. That's great. Why don't we get started? If you have been a follower of what difference does that make on this first season, and you know that this is the time in the podcast where usually I introduce one of the great counselors from Branches Counseling Center. Uh, tell you a little bit about how they came to be a part of Branches. And then they do a brief uh, instructional talk, teaching time on some particular behavioral health issue. They have been great. I've been proud the whole season of every one of our counselors and the wonderful job they have done. My producer, David Wilkinson, kind of insisted that somewhere along the way, I'd be the one to do that teaching. And so uh, today is that day. I am the founder and director of Branches Counseling Center, a nonprofit faith-based counseling center that has several offices across the state of Tennessee. We deal with depression, anxiety, marital issues, uh, addiction recovery, anger management, everything that you can imagine. We see people from 3 years old to 90 years old and God has blessed us down through the years. We have now about 25 therapists who see somewhere around 1,800 people per month. One of the things that we do once a month is offer an intensive program where people will come from all over the country and stay for a week of very in-depth, very intentional time of, of therapy treatment I say we do We do three things during that time. We help people to r- reduce the pain to a manageable level. We help people to have hope for a better future, and we help people to walk away with a very clear recovery plan of how they can go forward and continue to find healing and hope in some of their difficult circumstances. And today, I want to talk to you about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. It's present in most of the men that I work with. I tend to work mainly with men or with couples and it's present in most of the men that I work with and it's something that we would call the father wound. Now, the term father wound is not really a recognized clinical term. But it is kind of generally used by most mental health care professionals to talk about those emotional and behavioral conflicts between spouses and single people with children, those things that are the result of the difficulties that come from a failure to have a strong, loving, supportive uh, male relationship, uh, a responsible father, or they come as a result of having a father who modeled just the opposite, modeled very uh, significant weaknesses, selfishness, uh, anger, uh, emotionally distant behavior, indifference. And they saw that modeled and began to live that out in their own children, creating this perpetual father wound. I don't know exactly if this is what uh, the Old Testament writer had in mind, but it certainly makes me think of that passage of Scripture When God says, I will visit the sins of the father on their children and their children's children to the third and fourth generation. We would call that the father wound. I believe it comes because of this. I kind of have this working theory that God created mothers and fathers with very specific tasks. The role of the mother was to teach us intimacy. Uh, to to let us know that we're loved. You know, we know our mother loves us if nobody else loves us. I was in the marching band at one point in my high school career and my mom standing on the side of the street as we walked by in a parade said, look at that, every one of those students are out of step except my son. My son is the only one that's in step. When you have a mother that loves you like that, the world feels like a safe place. You are willing to take risks. You're willing to try things. You, You have a at least a good foundation for healthy self-esteem. You know that you're loved, you you have intimacy, and you're willing to take the risk of offering intimacy to another relationship somewhere down the way. So, from our mothers we get intimacy. From our fathers we get identity. Identity is about value and worth. God said to Adam, name the animals. It's your job to name the animals. You are to give identity to those things that are around you, to those people and those those creatures that you have responsibility for. Identity is about good self-esteem. If our Father believes in us, if we have a, a strong, healthy sense of identity from our Father, then we walk away believing in ourselves. And we get that from modeling our fathers. Most men would say, at some point in their life, they said, Either I want to be just like my old man, or I don't want to be anything like my old man. In either case, our identity is handed down to us from our fathers, until it's not. When it's not a healthy sense of identity, then I think young men, one of two things happen. They either develop a false femininity, they don't know their place as a man, or a hyper-masculinity, this macho, a bully type who has to prove himself by walking over other relationships. They don't know what it's like to believe in themselves enough to offer themselves in vulnerable, transparent relationships. When a daughter receives the father wound, I think she tends to try to find her identity. In other men, she defines herself by the relationships that she's in. Either she searches for this counterfeit intimacy which leads to promiscuity, Uh, failed relationships, or in this rejection of intimacy where she can throw herself into job, into career, to being a possessive mother. Sons who have father wounds often become absent. Daughters who have father wounds often become abusive. And we see that over and over and over again. I think the father wound was born socially in many ways. In the 1900's, the fathers left the farm and went to the cities to go to work. In the 1940s, the fathers left the home and went to Europe to go to war. In the 1960s, the fathers left our hearts and the feminist movement rose up and most of the television programs were about these bumbling, fumbling fathers. And in the 1970s, with the baby boomers, the fathers just left our minds. They became unimportant, non-consequential. That is especially true in certain ethnic groups and certain cultural groups, but I think it's generally true across the board that for the most part, our fathers have become either physically abusive, emotionally unavailable, or just culturally absent. And we carry almost societally this great father wound. I wish I had time to talk to you about how you find healing for that father wound in you. Let me say in a nutshell, you find healing by turning your life to the one Father you can trust. He is our Father and God, everything that Jesus teaches us about the Father is just that, that He is a Father that loves us, that gives us our identity, that teaches us intimacy, that all of that comes from the Father. But what I really want to say to you is that it's important for us, especially those of us that are listening that are men, it's important for us to seek at this point to become healing fathers. Uh, Let me say candidly, I was a perpetrator of father wounds in my own uh, children. And my two sons suffered for a while from the father wound that I passed down from my father. But I believe by the grace of God that we have worked really, really hard in overcoming that. And so these five things are ways to begin healing that father wound for your children. It's never too late. I don't care if you're a grandfather, it's never too late To begin now starting to heal the father wound in your children and your children's children. In fact, I use that anagram START. The S stands for search your own wounded heart. Recognize the wound in you and admit and acknowledge that there is something lacking in you because of a relationship that was less than ideal with your own father. The T stands for trust God to be the healer turn to God. Let Him, let that Father be the Father that begins to give you identity and intimacy and self-value and worth and, and make the world feel like a safe place. The A in START, the A stands for Acknowledge the Sins of the Past. Sit down and have a conversation with your kids and say, hey guys I blew it. I didn't do it well and, and I, and I want to just acknowledge that right now. Acknowledge the sins of the past where you have failed as a father. And we all have. We all have come up short. The R stands for reach out. Reach out to your children. I know it's awkward. I know it's different, particularly if they're grown children. But begin to reach out. Begin to call them on a regular basis, to send texts, to go to ball games, to be involved. Make a concerted effort to break that wall that has built up, to break it down and reach out. And the last T stands for time. Give it time. Be consistent, be sincere, be patient, but I promise you, I'm absolutely certain that as we begin to trust God to heal the father wound in our hearts, we can also trust Him to use us to heal the father wound in the hearts of our children and our children's children. Father wound, it is a cultural, societal plague, but it's something that you can change if you'll begin now, if you'll start now. Search your wounded heart, trust God to be the healer, acknowledge the sins of the past, reach out to your children and give it time. I'll end with a little story. I sent an email to my, uh, both of my boys not long ago and just said to them, because every once in a while I remember that. I said, guys, listen, I know I created some wounds for you. I know I made choices and mistakes that were difficult and I am so sorry about that. And Josh, my oldest son, almost immediately fired back. He said, Dad, if we hadn't gone through the things we had gone through, we wouldn't be living in this community. I would never have met Jennifer, my wife. I wouldn't have John Michael and Jackson. I wouldn't be a PA. I wouldn't be the medical director at Branches. So I'm sorry about the way your life turned out, but I'm pretty happy with mine. <laughs> I think that is there for all of us if we make an effort to heal the father wound. My prayer for you is that God helps you as you do that. Jason Jones is a good friend, uh, a great young man, and has been for many years a very successful publicity agent. Uh, A few years ago, he started his own company, Jones Literary. He has helped uh, authors across the board to see their dreams come to reality. He's been a good friend and help to me and I'm excited for you to hear this conversation that he and I had about making your dreams come true. Jason, I have looked forward to this conversation with you. We have been friends for a long, long time and I've always been fascinated by what you do and a and a little bit offended that I'm not one of your number one clients, but <laughs> uh, I am here with my great friend Jason Jones, who is the founder, owner, director, president of Jones Literary, and basically do a, a, a publicist for 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 authors. Uh, am I saying that right? Is that what you do, Jason?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a literary publicist and agent, and um, I work. For the most part, with Christian authors, although I do some some general market stuff, too. But yeah, that's it. And we have been friends for a long time, and that all began when I walked into your office one day, or when you first launched Branches back in 2008. Yes. We sat in plastic chairs in your lobby, and I remember... (laughs) <laughs> I remember walking in with my wife, thinking, "What in the world has she got us into?" <laughs> and I'm and I'm so I am so grateful that she did, man, because I I love you, and I'm so grateful for your friendship.
0: Oh, that's funny. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, I anybody who knew us then and is still friends with us now, they are true friends because <laughs> it was it was not much to look at, but uh, man, I, it's we have. We have helped each other grow over the last uh, 12 years or so and 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 i'm i'm grateful for you um well let's let's just kind of jump into that um a a literary publicist an an agent Mm -hmm. what it what is that what what do you do short and sweet is i
2: i help as an agent i help aspiring authors um get published i i help them to kind of cultivate uh, you know, an idea is a is a book relevant. Um, who do we? What publisher is the best match for this book? You know, what's been published? What's what's worked? What hasn't? What is the marketplace looking for? You know, are you qualified to write this book more or this book more? Or how do we? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm helping them figure out what the best fit is for them, what the best path forward for them is as an author, and then matching them with a the publishing house. And on the on the publicity side. Um, I work with a lot of authors who you know are already published um, by the you know the more traditional publishing houses and and we help to get them on television and radio and podcasts and we help them write some op-ed pieces for online news outlets and 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 uh, in hopes that the exposure will will move people towards their book.
0: I love anybody. That makes other people better and and that's what I have seen about you, and quite honestly, you've done that for me personally, but I have seen that you are invested in making other people better better at what they do, better at their at their craft, better at just better better human beings and i I appreciate that in you I think that's just neat. How did this come to be? You worked for the Memphis Cardinals, is that who was the minor league baseball team? <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, you know, um my my career path um it, just out of college, yeah, I went almost immediately to work for the the Memphis Redbirds, who were the AAA A affiliate of the Cardinals. Okay. Um I, I, yeah, I was uh, PR director down there uh for 6 years and 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 uh lifelong Cardinals fan. That was a job, dream job. Um and you know always thought that uh i wanted to be jack buck when i grew up and you know spent six <laughs> years working in baseball and figured out pretty quickly that it wasn't the lifestyle that i always thought it was and that it wasn't yeah. real conducive to family living so when tracy and i got married started a family you know it was, i just kind of moved out of that into corporate pr uh did that for a few years in memphis and then um had one very adventurous year selling real estate, and we could go down a real long rabbit trail uh, on that. I think everybody has
0: failed at real estate at some point in their life, <laughs> right?
2: Yeah, and um, that's how I ended up in Nashville, and so um, ended up at Thomas Nelson Publishers in two thousand, late two thousand seven, and um, you know, spent several years there at Nelson, just kind of cutting my teeth on on publishing, and it was um, you know, PR is PR in a sense, but uh, Publishing is tough because you know you you every author is a client you got you know several of those every quarter and yeah. they all expect your hundred percent of your attention and your um, you know energy and that's just that's hard to do and um, so that was that was a a great training ground for what would come later for me um, as far as what led me to 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 launch out on my own and I you know, honestly I can't remember if that was part of your question
0: or yeah not. no it, it is yeah. <laughs>
2: Honestly, it was a pretty sudden. Breakup with a former employer is what led me to, to Jones Literary. I I found myself in December 2017. All of a sudden, launching this ship a little sooner than I thought I was going to. It, um, I'd always it was always something I wanted to do. Um, you know, working for yeah. myself. But honestly, for years I hadn't had the courage to do it. Um, I made some really big financial mistakes early in my life, as I, I just mentioned. So I was a little bit risk averse, and I think part of that too, in retrospect. Um, was my lack of trust that God would provide for us. and But he has, he always has, hmm. and I know he always will. But, you know, uh, it won't maybe look like I would prefer that it would sometimes. But all that to say, I was comfortable where I was. Um, there was a considerably lower ceiling for me where I was, but it was safe. Um, and I yeah. think part of me felt like looking for more after what we had been through was also me not being content or me being too ambitious, you know, if you will. But um, – In essence, you know, God kicked me out of that lifeboat, forced me to trust him. He's been really faithful, you know, Um, and that's that's where Jones Literary was born, was out of um, a little bit of, you know, a crisis uh, back in December 2017.
0: So. Wow, that's neat. You know, I wonder how many times that experience has helped you to be an agent and a publicist for your for your uh, writers to say to them, you know, you got to you got to be willing to step outside of the comfort zone a little bit and take a little bit of risk. I, I my my imagination is that God has used your story to to help other people be a whole lot better.
2: Well, I hope so. Um, you know, and and, and I know that um that's a lot easier said than done. I had people told me all the while i was uh when i was in this, that comfortable job from 2013 to 2017 um to go do my own thing and, and i gave that advice to other people but i wasn't i didn't have the courage to go and do it for myself it, it is um when you got a family like i do young yeah. family and I, i've come to learn that my thinking was was wrong uh, at that point but i kind of felt like hey you know we're I don't want to rock the boat here. You know, they can't afford for me to make another mistake. I'm in a good spot. I'm just going to stay here and and cruise for a little while, and and we'll do the best we can. But I was really selling myself short, and God had bigger things, you know, in store for me. And, and you know, in my mind, He waited on me and waited on me, and I wasn't willing to to take that next step, so He he took it for me, and it's worked out. Um, So yeah i hope i hope that it's helped too and i'm I'm willing to tell anybody as you know i've sat in over there in your office plenty of times and you know about the mistakes that i've i've made and what they you know the the difficulty they can lead to in marriage when you have financial difficulty that's all which really really hard and so um you know it, it can it can lead a lot of folks to to feel stuck and 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 like they don't have a path
0: forward and that's where i was for a while so that's neat well that's a it's a it's a great success story though to see that that uh that person who continues to try continues to try you know the old adage about uh who was it thomas edison that someone said you failed at the light bulb 900 times he said no i've learned 900 ways that it doesn't work uh and so (laughs) That's that's what i admire about you that you keep pushing you keep pushing you keep pushing and and uh i've made a I made a career out of being a failure too, so I certainly understand
2: that. I remember you gave me a copy of your book, Failure and How I Achieved It. I'll never forget that. <laughs> I love that book. And um you and I actually you didn't you didn't properly introduce me. I am your literary agent as well, so you don't want to keep you don't keep that from your listeners. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get that book back out there in the marketplace. We're gonna freshen that thing up and get it back out there. It's a good book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is true and i appreciate you saying that i every once in a while when i start feeling down a little bit i'll look in the mirror and say but you know what i do have a literary agent so there you go there you go <laughs> <laughs> you're that and a great friend as well so what does a day in the life of jones literary look like what, what do you do every day when you wake up
2: oh gosh it is i guarantee you it's not as sexy as you think it is <laughs> um <laughs> it's uh, it a lot of relationships communication you know managing expectations on my good days I, I get to try and inspire authors and creativity you know and, and other people mm-hmm. and, and I send a, a ton of email I mean honestly you know I can have entire weeks swallowed up just returning an email and I know that that's not uncommon but um, in, in that way my job's not much different than anybody else's but um, you know I try to keep up with with where people are uh, are industry professionals and friends as they move from publishing house to publishing house I keep up with industry trends what's working in publishing and uh it's the industry's changing so so fast um it, it's tough to keep up with that you know what's being published like i mentioned earlier what's working and what's not and who's publishing yeah. what and who's publishing who and uh you know but for the most part i get up in the morning i scan the news i don't i don't read a lot of news or watch a lot of news and as a publicist i might you know Maybe I shouldn't say that, but I don't. I, I can't do it, <laughs> it, it you know, yeah. for, for more than a few minutes a day. Um, you know, journalism is not what it used to be, but it's. Um, I got to know what's going on in the world, and I, you know, I scan the news, figure out if my authors fit in to those conversations anywhere. I'll send out some emails uh, to news outlets. Hey, I got an author that can talk about this or that. Uh, I'll send my authors emails. Hey, I know you know this is in the news maybe you should think about writing a blog post and we could write a column for this paper or that online outlet and it's mm-hmm. really you're just i'm trying to connect people all day that's what i do i connect authors with publishers i connect authors with media um you know and and because i've been doing this a long time media um you know i'm i'm grateful media they come to me in in a lot of instances yeah. too saying hey jason we know you or the faith and culture guy, you work with a lot of these authors that are pastors and work at kind of at that intersection of faith and culture. We got an issue with persecution of the church over here or religious liberties over here. Or, you know, who do you have that can talk about this issue? And and I'll connect them with an author and make sure they have press material so they're prepared for the interview. And um, it's it's just a lot of of connecting people, which is what I really like to do. I like being the guy behind the scenes and, and helping other people shine. And that's kind of the way I've always been
0: so it's a job that's well suited for me you know although it's it's neat to me that as god pushed you out of the nets nest once before he's kind of doing that again because you have some things that you're doing that i think are a- amazing as someone who has done a self-published book you you have a project coming out to help people do that. I just say, do you mind saying something about that? Well, no i I
2: appreciate yeah, I appreciate you asking about that. I'd love to say something about it. Yeah, I um, you know, I mentioned the industry changing, uh, publishing industry changing, and it and it is so so much. Um, over the the past few years, I've just continued to be inundated with with inquiries from self published authors. Um, that sector has just exploded. I mean, over a million books were self published last year. And, most of these folks don't have any idea how to do their own publicity work and and marketing work too although marketing is a little different thing um you know and they can't afford a publicist publicists are really expensive and and we have to um you know we have a certain amount of money we got to bring in every month too to feed our families right. and so i can only take on so many campaigns a month and you know and that's the same for every publicist so in essence a lot of these folks are kind of left without any help at all um, so I have been working to put together a, a, a suite of tools and resources um, to help train and equip self-published authors to do their own publicity work. Um, and starting their local market, we're going to give them media contacts in their local market, over 100 of those. We'll give them email templates, and we'll give them uh, news, and, news angles and pitch pegs to use to pitch media. They get consult time with me. They get a copy of our ebook. I mean, they get all sorts of things, and so it's going to hopefully equip them to get some press, sell some books, maybe do a little speaking, encourage them in their writing journey to continue going. Because um, it, it can just be so discouraging when you write that book and spend all that money and all those hours, and you have this book in your garage that's just sitting there, not moving, and you don't know what to do with it. It's really help have you been us, in my garage
0: feeling. lately? Is that why you're saying? <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, I haven't. But we got to do something. We got to do something about that. <laughs> yeah. So that thanks for asking. But yeah, that's that's what I've been working on real hard the last year, so we can service not only um, you know the folks that are published traditionally, um, but also the little guy who's just wanting to get started but is not doesn't really have anywhere to go. So thanks for asking about that. LocalPRToolkit.com, Instagram, Facebook, and the Book Publicist Podcast as well. So.
0: Well, I think again. I think that is God saying, "Okay, you've been behind the scenes long enough. It's time for you to step out with your expertise and really lead people." And I, I just think that's wonderful, and I'm I'm excited for you. I think it's going to be going to be tremendous. That's neat. What's the difference in promotion and and bragging? How do you how do you how do you promote yourself and and stay humble and walk with God all at the same time? How how do you do that?
2: Well, gosh, I, I get that question all the time, and and, and, and so many authors um, are, you know, are kind of bothered by that idea of, of self promotion, and I get it, but you know, um, my good friend, radio host Carmen Laburge. I am not sure if you are familiar with Carmen, but she has mm-hmm. a show called Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio Network. Um, we had a conversation recently on my own podcast, and she we had the same conversation, um, and she said that. To offer the thing that God put on your heart to others is not self promotion. Um, you know we wow, do that's good. we do yeah. it every day um, in all manner of other ways, but for some reason when it's attached to a product or a service, people start to feel a little bit squirrely about it. But if you if you feel that God put a message on your heart, then why in the world would He want you to sit on that? You you
1: yeah, you spent good.
2: all these hours writing and you spent thousands of dollars publishing this book and you think He wants it to just sit in your garage? He, you know. Um, I say to people all the time, God knows the condition of your heart. You're not in this to get rich, and if you are, you're in for a big surprise. There's, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with making a living, and He He wants to provide for you, right? Um, so, how do you know that that's not the way He intends to do it? Yeah, you know that's good. So dude. offering offering really something good. that God put on your heart to the world is what He wants you to do. You, you know, if you're glorifying Him, you know. You want people to know him or something about him. That's not self-promotion. That's God promotion, and it's kingdom advancement. And if you're a secular author, then it's much the same thing. But how do you know that what he created you to do, this ability he gave you to write, isn't how he wants to provide for you? So that's my answer to that question. Um, You just have to learn to see it that way. You're not saying, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's look at God, and I have something that I want to say about him, and I want to point you towards him. But... You can't just print a book and set it in a box in your garage and expect people to find it. You just got to get over it.
0: That's good. One of the things that I love about your about your bio, about your explanation of of Jones Literary, you have a statement there you say we are flagrantly Christian and and that is evident in all that you do and say. It's not about you, it's not about the individual even. It's about the kingdom and and how does this promote the the kingdom? I I like that. And and I'm grateful that you take that stand. It's really good. And Jason, let me just say to you, I watch what you're doing and I watch how you lead your family and what a great dad you are. And I and and you're one of those I say, "Wow, look look what look what he's doing. You're so encouraging. I always love that about you. Thank you. This has been so good and so so interesting to me and to and there are people out there that perhaps will want to know how to Connect and we'll uh, David, uh, our mutual friend David Wilkinson, will put in the show notes how you can connect to Jones Literary. Jason, I love you. You're a great brother, and thanks for being with me today. Love you too, Mike. Thanks, my friend. Well, we started this conversation talking about uh, dreams and helping your dreams come true. Jason did a wonderful job in giving us some ideas and thoughts of. Of making that come to fruition. I think one of the most difficult things that we run into when we begin to think about making our dreams become a reality is how we, especially those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, how we see ourselves as genuinely being obedient to the leadership of God while at the same time doing that thing that jazzes us, that makes us excited and kind of gives us a, a, a motive for doing what we do. So, what difference does that make? What are we talking about today? Well, I think the difference that this podcast makes is that it helps you to see that you can do what you really are excited about, what you really and truly want to do, and also be in the center of God's will. That both of those things are possible. And in fact, I think if you do one, you're probably doing the other. So, go out there and find your dream. Clarify it and and get somebody to help you fulfill it and do what it is that God has laid on your heart to do. It's been a fun day. Thanks for being with us. If you'd like some help with that, I encourage you to go to branchescounselingcenter.com. Under the heading, What We Do, you'll find a tab that says, Branches Coaching. And Cindy Hornbaker leads our coaching staff. She can help you to clarify that dream and see it come to pass. Uh, David will leave some information about that in the show notes. And in a couple of weeks, we actually will be doing what I think will be the last podcast of this season. And we'll talk a little bit about season two and what difference does that make. Have a great day. Find your dream. Live it out. And as always, love yourself today, because God does.
1: What Difference Does That Make with Dr. Mike Courtney is part of the Mana 3 Media Network. It is hosted by Dr. Mike Courtney and is produced and edited by me, David Wilkinson. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'd love for you to subscribe to What Difference Does That Make wherever podcasts are downloaded. Be sure to check out our episode show notes. Special thanks to Jason Jones for being on the podcast. You can learn more about Branches Counseling Center on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out more podcasts by Mana 3 Media, including my own, Dad Matters, on Instagram, at Mana 3 Media. That's M-A-N-A, the number three, media. New episodes of What Difference Does That Make drop bi-weekly every other Wednesday. So join us again in two weeks.